You are listening to the Happier at Work podcast, and I'm your host, Aoife O'Brien. This is the podcast for HR and business leaders. We talk about things like leadership, well-being at work, diversity and inclusion, and the future of work. Now what we're discovering is, you know, we're kind of assuming we're going to go back to hybrid and it's going to work. This is even wider as far as the options we now have. There is so much fluidity here. There is so much a complex nature of what we're doing. So we have to be fluid. We have to be iterative and agile in everything we're doing. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Happier at Work podcast. My guest today is Chris Flack. Now, Chris and I originally met doing the Masters, and I'm sure if you've a long-time listener to the podcast, you've heard me mention the Masters only once or twice. I loved that two years at the Masters. Chris and I originally met during the Masters in first year. I'm a huge, huge fan of his work. We have been talking about recording a podcast episode for quite a while. He is a co-founder and he has over 15 years in tech and organizational behavior consulting. He has experienced many of the negative impacts of information overload firsthand and witnessed how distraction and an always on culture have changed many people's lives. He is an award-winning speaker and has led keynotes and masterclasses at some of the leading companies in Europe. And he's also an instructor at the Digital Wellness Institute. His personal research interest is meaningful connection in a hyper-connected world. Chris has lived and worked across five continents and as a result has a passion for travel. When at home in Dublin, Chris loves hiking, cooking and spending time with friends. This episode today is so pertinent for what we are all going through at the moment and it is so useful with some practical tips. I know you're really going to enjoy the episode. I will do a summary at the end of the key points so make sure to stay tuned for that and also if you would like to get involved in the conversation about today's podcast feel free to connect with me over on LinkedIn Aoife O'Brien that's A-O-I-F-E O apostrophe B-R-I-E-N or on Instagram, happieratwork.ie. And I look forward to connecting with you over there. Welcome, Chris, to the Happier at Work podcast. I'm so delighted to have you on this week's episode because we've been talking about this for a long time. And finally, finally, we get to chat. Do you want to tell listeners a little bit about yourself, your background and how you got to where you are today? Sure. Hi, Eva. Delighted to be here. Um, as always, great to, great to talk to you. So, Bit of background on me. Um, I'm based in Ireland, but I'm originally from the UK. I've been here for about 17 years. The majority of my working career was spent in technology consulting, and it kind of was the seeds for where I am now in relation to what I do with Unplug, because during that time, I was all about big data analytics and very much an early adopter of technology. I still am a huge fan of technology. But what happened was I was probably the first one in the office to be always on. This was a long time ago, um, which initially had some really positive impacts for me. You know, my, I was able to check in and, and kind of be reassured that everything was, was going well and always react to clients and things like that, which is so important. But over time, it developed into a habit of literally I was online 24-7 and it started to have a very major impact on my own well-being and my productivity suffered. So unrelated to that, I actually changed sector around 2010. Um, I moved over to the not-for-profit sector in which I worked for about four years. And during that time, one of my projects was working in India for nearly two years with the sanitation charity WaterAid. Now, that was 
as spectacularly interesting and impactful. And I feel very privileged to have been part of that team. But the really interesting thing for me now with that was it was almost as if I had this socially controlled experiment because I'd been in a world of full-on tech, loving every shiny new thing, checking every shiny new thing. And then I was in rural India with very little, this was 2012 when there was very little data in rural India. So I'd almost gone the complete opposite. And I noticed a massive change in my own behavior. And then when I came back to Ireland, I really saw a huge change in the way even my family were behaving. I remember in my, my own behavior, I came back and it was my mum's 70th. And as opposed to being there for my mum, most of me was wanting to check my Facebook feed because I hadn't been on Facebook for a couple of months. It was incredible. So I started to become curious about the science. I started to work with um, a team which now includes people with a background in psychology and neuroscience and just build on the research that shows us if we make some small changes in how we use technology, we can have some really positive impacts on our behavior uh, and on our well-being and our productivity. So that was 2015 uh, when we, we set the company up. We're now in more than 70 organizations. Um, I teach regularly at the Digital Wellness Institute. But it's something as far as how technology impacts our behavior. It's something that's only really, really become relevant. And the lexicons such as always on and digital well-being have only really happened and become mainstream since lockdown, because all of a sudden, you know, we're there thinking, well, this is great. I can work from home. You know, mm. um, I know McKinsey and company called it the quickening at the beginning of lockdown because it worked and it was amazing. And we were all able to work. But then towards the end of last year, we started just to feel that strain. And I know Sachin Andela, the CEO of Microsoft, was quoted as saying, you know, working from home feels a little bit like sleeping at work. And it did. Yeah. And that's where we're helping people now, you know, helping people to maintain that ability to have high focus, high ability to perform while still having good quality disconnection time. So yeah, other than that, I'm now an Irish citizen. So I became an Irish citizen in, in the last year, which I'm delighted about. Mm -hmm. um, in my pastime, um, I, I do crazy hardcore activities like jigsaws. Um, I have a very, um, let's say, mindful practice. I do a lot of yoga and meditation. Um, I do a lot of um, big pursuits in the mountains. And having spent about five years living in developing countries, I love travel and I'm really excited to be getting back into that. So yeah, that's me. I think that's why we get along so well, Chris. The interest in travel, the jigsaws, which I only found out about this morning before we started recording. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. And just, I suppose, this curiosity, interest in data, all of these things. I mean, you've touched on a lot of points already. And I was thinking just this morning, uh, and I'm sure we've had this conversation in the past in, in one of our many chats, but I live by myself. So I it was picking up my phone this morning. And I think it was out of sense of feeling connection like how can I connect with people and it's you automatically go to pick up your phone like that's a way of connecting with people especially if you live on your own mm. and definitely that has been impacted by by lockdown and mm. you know it's I mean it's it's been a really really tough situation and I suppose like where where do we start there is this always on culture so if people are finding that they're like one of the things that you said it's reaction to clients and I'm so aware of that and and I know when I worked in corporate I, I would have my I don't have my my email my work email is not on my phone anymore it's not on my phone I only have access to my work email through my laptop that's a deliberate choice on my part but I know certainly when I worked in corporate and we were we were all given phones so that we're accessible on phone but we can also check our emails when we got smartphones mm. you know kind of in the later years I'm showing my age now by saying I'm sure I had a non-smartphone for work purposes um 
But being able to check your emails on your phone was kind of a game changer. But it, like, I suppose it's it's getting my head around all of that. Like, where do we even where do we start? Yeah, and I guess it was always been the promise of technology, right? A lot of the initial adverts, even I have a Remington typewriter advert where it literally says, we'll give you time back in your day. And it was that whole idea of it was supposed to give us time back, but it's really down to how we use it because quite a lot of the time we find that things pull us back in. So you gave a very personal example there in relation to that feeling of connection. And it just reminded me of how we met, Aoife, because we met through that wonderful Masters at DCU. And when I did my dissertation there, I'm sure you're familiar, it was around loneliness in in the workplace. And because it was something that I've struggled with myself, you know, I live on my own, I'm a non-national. And although it's very exotic going off and doing all these wonderful projects overseas, the more you do that, the harder it is to integrate back because you're kind of, it's almost like a regulatory loop. You're having to start from scratch and people have have moved on. Um, But one thing I really recognized in that was, you know, and and in the research was that relationship between loneliness and technology. Uh, And I was actually on a, a masterclass this morning where we were talking about that paradox of technology and how the triggers of notifications pull us in. But what people were starting to talk about was the internal triggers as well, which is something we often don't talk about because it's a far harder conversation. So in a work context, it might be, well, there's a bit of paranoia or anxiety that I need to always be checking in because, you know, that client might call or my boss might contact me, whereas the reality is it's very rare it actually happens. But we've never had a conversation with our colleagues saying, do you know what, um, just if something bad happens, text me at the weekends. Because if we did that, we we wouldn't be checking our email so much. Um, yeah. Whereas because we've never had that shared values and norms discussion we check all the platforms right it's it's Mm. it's incredible um so yeah that's that's one of the the various ways that it pulls us in but i think it's something that in in the world of lockdown so many positives from technology you know that whole thing of for those people who had children it was clearly good for their education uh, and maybe just to to have as a distraction um and you know as a non-national and for you i'm sure you have family down the country just keeping in, in contact and being able to cope but then there was that balance because you know if we think of tiger king at the beginning one episode was good two or three episodes all feeling like we've gone into that bad zone and it's the same with work you know it's great that we could do this but at the same time you know the studies out of harvard and multiple studies have shown that working time went up by around 30 percent which a lot of us initially anecdotally were thinking, well, you know, I don't have to commute. I don't have all these little things so I can squeeze in a bit of extra work. And productivity cumulatively has not gone up. So overall, with our working hours going up, that means that productivity has really come down, which isn't a positive thing. And a lot of that is because we're not necessarily in control of our technology. And it doesn't mean it's going off and, and doing something crazy. What it means is, you know, we're not aware as to the values that we share with our colleagues. Um, another example, and I'm going to be really cheeky here, um, Aoife, because I, I love your podcast and number 81 around boundaries. I loved, but I'm going to challenge you on one thing you said. Yes, Because um, when it comes please to reciprocity, um, you said, which a lot of people do, you know, it's really important when you send an email out of office hours to have something saying, listen, I don't expect um, a reply. But we have to remember that the internet and email is systemic, right? So when that goes out, if somebody doesn't have the same boundaries as you, they might still check their email. Even if it says that, Mm. it's developing that habit. And then if we think of the neurotransmitters they're getting from that, so that lovely feeling of dopamine, of new information, if it's maybe a, a deeper connection, if it's a partner, it's oxytocin or whatever it might be. And these are all developing very deep internal triggers 
So ideally, what we have in that situation is because I'm the same, I work different hours and I have colleagues I work with, that I teach with at the Digital Wellness Institute in the US and I have colleagues that I'm now working with in India, really big time differences. But I always make sure for all those colleagues that, you know, it goes at a certain time. You know, it's not yeah. interrupting them in the middle of the night, um, which is a really hard thing to do. But also back to that fact of we've never sat down and gone, do you know what, Aoife, um, what's the platform if something goes wrong in this project that I can contact you with? We can't make an assumption because for some people it might be WhatsApp, some people it might be text, some yeah. people it might be, you know, might be Slack or Teams. But what people are doing is they're checking everything yeah. all of the time. Yeah, yeah. So that ability to actually disconnect. And by disconnect, I don't mean running off to the mountains and becoming a hippie, which is fantastic but i mean actually the ability to psychologically detach yeah. a concept that construct from sabine yeah. sonatag and her team at Mannheim university the idea that when we detach from work properly we can come back so much stronger you know and the science has shown us again and again with psychological detachment that when we do that properly when we have clearly defined downtime then we're able to improve our productivity improve our ability to switch off and sleep and improve our relationship yeah. with other humans yeah. and quite often what happens there there's there's a book i'm reading at the moment by bridget shelter um and it's around um being busy and there's a concept she refers to called time confetti because quite often what happens is when we have that downtime we'll sit down and we'll be like okay i've got one hour of downtime this is magical i'm going to sit down i might watch an episode of something or i might have a conversation with with someone special in my life but because we've got that habit of continuously checking, we might check our Twitter, we might check our LinkedIn, we might just check email because something might happen. Yeah. And what that's doing is it might only be six minutes over an hour, but it's fragmenting it. Yeah. So it means we're never getting quality rest. Um, so yeah. in the middle of the night when our brain's going, okay, I'm shutting down, I'm shutting down. Oh, I'm expecting dopamine. Oh, I'm expecting oxytocin. So we can never really recharge. So yeah. It's a complicated thing because everyone has different habits. Everyone has different situations that they live in where there are other distractions. There was yeah. somebody on a call this morning um, who was talking about their internal um, trigger is guilt and the email, sorry, when the dishwasher beeps, right? <laughs> it brings it even more complicated when we're at home. Um, but yeah, yeah. Chris, you have covered so much there and there's loads I would love to unpack. The first thing I want to say is Tiger King. Do you know what? I feel like I'm the only person in the world, but I never watched it. I never watched Tiger King. And I'm like, is it worth it? You know, when you get to the end, would you say, is it worth me watching Tiger King? I don't know. Um, I mean, it's one of those things you have to go in with, with, with a mindset of, okay, it's just going to be popcorn for the brain. Um, okay. <laughs> and I, I think I, I, I almost, it was one of those things that was really important to me to have as a, a check-in conversation at the beginning of yeah. conversations with people because we weren't doing anything in the beginning yeah. of lockdown. Do you know what I mean? It yeah. wasn't like, oh, where'd you go at the weekend? I went to my spare room. Um, so it was nice <laughs> to have something. Yeah. It's, it's, it's pure trash TV. Yeah, but yeah, at yeah. the same time, you know, culturally really, really interesting. Um, yeah. I also, I used to work in an animal sanctuary in Bolivia. So I have a fascination with big cats because I used to work with pumas there and ocelots. So, you know, I wanted to see what was going on. I was totally unaware of that animal trade in 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 the US and, and other related trades as well. So yeah. I found it fascinating. But yeah, I mean, it's not the best use of your time. And if you're going to do it, <laughs> yeah. do make sure you've got your autoplay switched off because otherwise you'll just watch the whole lot. Oh, right, like okay. trash TV, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, we just yeah, go, yeah. 
more and more and more and more. So easy, um, so yeah. easy to do. Yeah. The the other thing, yes, you're just as you were speaking about that whole boundaries thing, I realized I was like, yes, it's about sending putting on those time delays, it's, you know, and uh, making use of those things so that people don't check. So it's sending out a message of I'm available at this time, but actually mm. putting yourself in the other person's shoes and saying, well, what when is that person available? But still also saying that you, you're not expecting an immediate response of and course. they may be working at different hours as well. Yeah. That conversation is so important, Aoife, just having that conversation. Yeah. Because we don't know, and especially now behind a screen, we can't see when somebody's resources are completely gone. We can't see when they're exhausted. We can't see when they're leaning against a wall and holding a cup of coffee, shaking, because yeah. you know they've had a heavy weekend, You know, there's been a family trauma or whatever it might be. We could kind of see that in the office. So you need to have shared values and norms. And I think this is, maybe I'm jumping ahead here, but for me, it's it's the difference between what I would call flexible working arrangements, where you're just kind of saying, well, we're doing this thing, a Zoom free Friday, or we have emails that have a notification at the bottom saying, you know, I don't expect to reply if it's the weekend, et cetera. It's the difference between that, which flexible working arrangements have been really, really positive, especially in relation to employer branding, you know, these yeah. meeting free Wednesdays, Zoom free Fridays, et cetera. That and what the likes of you and I would have worked with in our masters around work design, where it's more strategic, where you're looking to do things like actually sit down and discuss, firstly, why are we doing this? Because for some people, if you have, for example, if you're using Teams and you have a do not disturb button on, people might just be thinking, is Chris just down the chipper? Or is he, you know, what's he doing? Whereas if you have on do not disturb, well, actually, you know, I'm working on a project for client X and I need yeah. to have focus, otherwise I won't get this done and explain the why of that as far as, you know, have a chat about psychological detachment and task switching and all these things, but in funny terms that are rewarding. So um, so one of our keynotes, basically. Um, but, you know, having that education so people understand the why, making sure it's coming in from the top so leaders are taking it on board. Um, yeah. And then just making sure it's an ongoing process. So, you know, yeah. using the skills like you would have around analytics to have, you know, whether it's check-ins or, or KPIs, actually making sure that it's working because right now the biggest learning we have, you know, the first lockdown taught us that I'm being a bit of a hippie here, but that kind of Osho learning of impermanence, right? Um, now what we're discovering is, you know, we're kind of assuming we're going to go back to hybrid and it's going to work. This is even wider as far as the options we now have. There is so much fluidity here. There is so much a complex nature of what we're doing. Yeah. So we have to be fluid. We have to be iterative and agile in everything mm. we're doing. Yeah. Um, but also, as opposed to just going, right, we're just going to have Zoom Free Fridays and assume it's going to work. We need to educate people why. We need to lead by example and, and really then check in as to see how it's working. I mean, again, so much to cover. I want to quickly go back to this idea of working time going up by 30%, but productivity hasn't, going, hasn't gone up. That in itself, I think is hugely interesting because we think that we're being more productive by being more busy, but actually we're not. And to me, that comes back down to exactly what you're talking about. Why are we here? What are we doing? What is What are the outcomes that we're trying to achieve here? And yeah. filling our time with busy work because we're getting that stimulation, we're getting that sense of uh, accomplishment or achievement or recognition or whatever it might be, or the badge of honor mm. of being busy as well, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, so all of those things. So it's, it's really, really interesting that that hasn't gone up. This idea of not being in control of our technology 
uh, Gretchen Rubin, who talks, she talks about happiness and habits a lot. She mm. has this thing where it's like, don't let technology be your master. Like you are in mm-hmm. control of technology as opposed to being at its behest, essentially. So it's, sure. um, yeah. it's so, so interesting. The idea of flexible working arrangements, I have been reading a lot about this. And for me, I suppose it's the difference between flexible working arrangements and reduced hours. And I can see the huge benefits of reduced hours. And that goes into this idea of design, coming Mm. back to purpose, coming back to why is it that we are doing what we're doing? But with flexible hours, there's still the option for people who people who need that extra level of flexibility taking advantage or not taking advantage because of the perception because it's they're not as committed to work as other people they're going to earn less money all of these different things like we had Mm. flexible working options when i worked in corporate and it always shocked me that people wouldn't take advantage of them and i Mm. was the one it was like i would i would happily take an extra five or ten days holidays and take a salary cut that was Mm. absolutely fine for me and i was so shocked that other people didn't see that like for me i valued the additional time more than i valued the additional money this idea as well of assuming that things are going to work so i the big struggle that i see with moving towards hybrid is people haven't got a clue what what it is that they want to do they don't Mm. know what's going to work but but they're not asking people about what will work i don't know what the blocker is there is it that do they feel that by asking, they're showing a level of vulnerability that they have no idea what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah, I think one thing that I, I'm seeing more of now is people doing that. I think at the beginning of lockdown, I remember speaking to a couple of CTOs and CIOs who were like, this is great, it's working. You know, I think we should be working from home forever. And I was like, yeah. okay, so can you just describe your environment to me? And they're like, well, I'm in this big detached house with my own yes. office and my kids have a nanny, <laughs> um, you know, and then not thinking about the graduates who you know, have just started a job, might be six of them around a the kitchen table. And yeah. more importantly than that, the connection that those graduates have and how they actually develop their career. That career development really doesn't happen when we're remote working. That's the, you know, Nick Bloom, again, out of Stanford, his big outtake as far as virtual teams, which is what we called remote workers before, was you don't have career development. Um, So I think I'm seeing a lot more now. There are organizations who are asking, you know, a number of different stakeholders. But yeah, it's, it's a really complicated science, but flexibility is key, you know. So long as we're aware that, look, we've been through this, we know we want to have the flexibility, but the amount of people I'm seeing now, um, and I'm really happy about this because my, my personal area of research is still very much around loneliness and connection, is I'd say probably for me, nine out of 10 people are saying, I am so excited to be back in the office with my colleagues. Mm. But the caveat with that is we're not back to normal. So we have no benchmark. We can't say, well, we're back in the office because we're not really because we're back in the office, but people are wearing masks, they're social distancing. We're not having the liminal moments where we're sitting down and having a cup of tea together. So we can't relate it. There's no studies that have been based on that, right? Because this is so new. So I think that's uh, that's where I'm seeing actually the the kind of the, the one out of 10 people saying, oh no, I don't like being back in the office. It's weird, mm-hmm. you know, or social distancing. And I'm like, this is why, back to what you were saying there, we need to keep that agile, iterative, flexible approach because yeah. it's going to be a learning, you know, and we don't know what the next six months holds. You know, we, we like to think that restrictions will start to um, loosen a little bit and we'll be back in the office. But um, yeah, I was actually speaking at a live event yesterday with about 70 people and they, a lot of them had never met. It was, it was a really fantastic, innovative event, but just hearing their conversations, it was all about connection. And then back to the idea of, having fun, you know, the liminal moments of 
you don't get that on Zoom or Teams unless you try and prescribe it when it's very hard. You know, we used to have, even if we had back-to-back meetings, we would have 10 seconds where we looked across. So when, when I'd be in lectures with you, you know, first couple of lectures, no one knew each other. And after a while, you know, for me, for you were always the one who had the most questions. And I loved that, right? <laughs> so I'd always give you a nod. I was like, oh, I'm just going to have a Curiosity. human one here. Right. And, you know, it's that little thing of, you know, when I'd see you, then after, you know, knowing you for a couple of months, even if it was just a smile, that is magical, right? It's such a powerful thing. And I, I, I don't want to get two bells and smells, but it's almost thinking of that, you know, the connection over efficiency and how can we make sure we are maintaining that? Um, it's really hard to do if we're all going to be remote all the time. Um, but yeah, I, I am seeing those decisions start to be more um, kind of organization wide and taking in all all opinions, which is really, really yeah. good. Yeah. No, it's, I mean, we could probably talk for hours. I, and I suppose I want to, to bring it back to where we started. And I know you said it's, there's no kind of one size fits all solution. Um, but maybe having to think about like the first step towards psychological detachment from being always connected. What would you, mm. what are some of the common things that come up for people or what can, as a takeaway from listening today, what can someone actively do today to mm. kind of, to stop that? Uh, of course, the irony being that they're likely listening to this podcast using technology on their phones. Yeah. And that, I mean, that, that's the whole thing. I mean, you know, back to what you're saying earlier in relation to us being the master of technology, because there's so much, so much good stuff there. I mean, I guess there's a number of different ways of looking at that. If we look at kind of the wider guardrails that are out there, um, you know, we, we have a, a really good legislation here in Ireland now um, around the rights disconnect, which in a number of other geographical jurisdictions, it's been a lot harder. Um, it's actually been in law and that really encourages out of office hours, sorry, out of office emails to be the exception rather than the norm. Whereas here in Ireland, it's it's basically a loose legislation. Whereas you take what the the Workplace Relations um, Commission have done, and you can design your own guidelines for for your organisation. And what we're working on with a lot of organisations is to build in team charters and communication charters around that. Because if it's too hard, then it doesn't take into consideration what you were saying there as far as we all use technology differently. Some of us work flexible hours, some of us have geographical teams that are dispersed over different time zones. So we need to take these factors into place, which is really hard when it's one size um, fits all. But that is something that, again, it's raising awareness. You know, people are like, well, what is the rights disconnect? And we're finding so the it's interesting because the Queen announced um, the employer bill, employment bill in uh, her New Year's speech this year in the UK, which I've, I've, I'm, I'm, I don't listen to the Queen's speeches, but I actually listened to that one because I was like, wow, she's talking about, she can talk about the rights disconnect. This is good. I could use this as a video. Um, but, you know, she mentioned the employment bill that's going to come out in December. So I think in the UK, that's going to be a Again, it's going to be in a lot of the media. So it will raise the discussion around how can we help our staff to disconnect so I think there's, there's two things there um, when it actually comes to us as individuals. One is in relation to the culture of the organisation. And as you were talking about earlier, that work design, you know, how can we do this? How can we raise awareness of the importance of disconnecting and moving away from the performance of culture more to the performance of resilience and recharging? So the likes of Sean Aker, the happiness psychologist, and Michelle mm-hmm. Gillen out of Harvard, they talk a lot about that, you know, that performance is, you know, we can push ahead, but sometimes we really need to step back and, and look after ourselves. Um, and then just kind of individual habits. So doing things at home where we, you know, we're really being aware of boundaries. Um, probably the most simple one um, is this is an individual thing. So it's finding out, you know, where, where you are almost using technology too much at home. 
But the most simple one would be something like the bedroom, where so many of us use our phone as our alarm clock. Mm. Um, and the irony is they're really good alarm clocks, right? Because they might wake us up with a sound we want to hear or our favorite music or whatever it might be. But at the same time, if we have them there, then we're potentially creating a bit of a challenge for our brains to actually switch off. And there's a number of reasons it's doing that. First, if we have the habit of task switching, if it's really close to us, then it's going to be something that our brain is just expecting dopamine or, or whatever neurotransmitter it might be used to getting from that. And to build on that, a study which I, I, I refer to a number of times is the iPhone effect, which basically shows us if we have a digital device in our line of sight, even if it's switched off and turned over, it impacts our IQ and our empathy. And it's that whole thing of if it's just there, then we might not be consciously thinking of it, but subconsciously our brain's going to be going, ah, oh, TikTok, ah, oh, email, ah, oh, Tinder, um, which means it's really hard for us to sleep. So, you know, the bedroom would be a good place to start because the bedroom is really important for sleep and for intimacy, not necessarily for angry birds. But it's that whole thing of how can... I create behavior change here. You know how this works. It's really hard when it's something that, that has some pluses as well, because audiobooks and alarm clocks are really good on our phones. So it's the idea of, first of all, doing it small, you know, starting BJ Fogg, the kind of tiny habits, but also being kind to ourselves and looking to reward ourselves. So if we're going to take that out, what are we going to replace it with? It might be a voice assist, which doesn't have the same triggers. It might be um, an alarm watch um, that has a vibrating alarm. Um, or it might be something like the, the alarms that have the lights that come up. Um, but it's trying to oh, do yeah. something that where we're rewarding ourselves and we're creating the boundaries. And over time, that means we have less of a relationship to that task switching, to that continuous trigger of our brain expecting the likes of dopamine. But it's, it's, a, it's a very individual subjective science, right? We need to find out what our triggers are internally, yeah. externally, uh, and then model them and see, okay, where is this impacting me the most? How can I change that? It, I mean, to me, it comes back to one of the most crucial parts of leadership and that's awareness, like it's having mm. that self-awareness and even yeah. leading yourself through self-awareness and, and just being aware of exactly, as you said, Chris, what those triggers are. Um, mm. I mean, we've covered an awful lot of ground today. Um, I will summarize a lot of a lot of the points. There's so much I'd love to to dive into a little bit more detail, um, but I'm just conscious of time here today. What makes you happier at work, Chris? The question I ask everyone who comes on the podcast. What makes me happy at work? Um, one thing that's changed in the last couple of months is humans. I'm able to be in a room with other humans. I really, um, I think I'm the same as you, Aoife, I thrive in a room with other humans. And it's been amazing. I've been very fortunate to be able to continue working using these great platforms like Zoom and Teams. Um, but it's not the same you know, when, you're, when you have that lovely interaction. And then when you can actually see change and you can see people making notes and they come up to you afterwards and they're like, I love that part. That's how I'm going to improve my focus. And then that's the other big thing for me, actually having impact and, you know, going deeper. So keynotes, moving on from masterclasses, really looking at individual habits, working them through, coming back, having reflection sessions and then moving into to digital culture. But at the same time, because um, like you, we're a small organization, Remembering to have fun uh, and take yeah. downtime as well, because, you know, um, the last 18 months have been hard for us. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we've had work, but at the same time, you know, rates have come down, all this kind of thing. So it's been that whole thing of, you know, taking a step back and actually enjoying the process and having a yeah. bit of fun with it. So I always 
make sure I do a morning dance. Um, I do some crazy things in the morning. I have a nice bath every morning and do a morning dance and a morning song, all those things. So yeah. yeah. Nice morning routine habits going on. Yeah. And if people want to connect with you, Chris, if they want to find out more about what you do, what is the best way they can do that? Um, yeah, I was just because I was talking about loneliness before. When you say connect, um, I like hugs. Um, <laughs> but if they want to, if they so want to do it in a more find formal, you wearing a sign yeah. saying free hugs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, if they want to do it in more of a, let's say, a business sense, because I, I know hugging is not for everyone. Um, yeah, we're at unplughq.com. Um, we also have um, a new uh, offering. We're working with the the award winning consultancy um, Row Remote, so Rowena Hennington and her team around a right to disconnect operational plan uh, and we're offering free um, audits for people. So if you go to right to the numeric to disconnect.com, you can find out about that there. So it's unplughq.com is us. And then our our new right to disconnect project is right to numeric disconnect.com. Incredible. That's brilliant. Thank you so much for your time on the podcast today, Chris. I absolutely loved chatting with you as I always do. So thank you for being one of my guests. Yay. Thanks for the chat, Sifa. I loved it. That was Chris Flack from Unplug. I really hope you enjoyed that conversation. Loads of tips. I know there is so much more that we could have covered today. Absolutely. I'm going to summarise some of the key points, but not before I tell you to head on over to LinkedIn or Instagram and connect with me there and get involved in the conversation from today's episode. LinkedIn, I am Aoife O'Brien, A-O-I-F-E-O apostrophe B-R-I-E-N, or on Instagram, happieratwork.ie. So Chris and I started out by talking about this concept of being so busy and actually being triple booked in for meetings in this always on culture. You don't need me to tell you again. I've spoken about this multiple times about questioning whether or not you actually need to be at the meetings that you're being invited to and how to be efficient, more efficient with your time, especially when we're at meetings. So on the one hand, meetings can be perceived as I am so important because I'm being invited to meetings. On the other hand, they make us feel like we're super busy, but we're not necessarily getting work done. So we feel overwhelmed and we feel like we haven't really actually achieved that much. We haven't really knocked off our things on our to-do list. We spoke as well about the promise of technology. So technology promises to give you time back in your day. And there are some internal and external triggers. That So the external ones that we mentioned are the notifications and they pull us in. Chris mentioned about the dishwasher in particular. So it makes a beeping noise. So it knows that, you know, you get distracted and you, need, you have to go and empty the dishwasher. There's the internal pressures then. And what Chris mentioned was the paranoia. So feeling like you're missing out on something if you don't check your emails. We spoke about the fact that during the pandemic, especially working time went up by 30%. And I would well believe that figure if, you know, it's it is it is a lot. But actually, with most people working from home, it's so easy, especially with the lure of the laptop still being there. But we also said that productivity hasn't gone up in that same time. I think that's something definitely worth reflecting on uh, in your own situation, that if you're working longer hours, are you actually achieving more? Are you hitting more of those outcomes that you want to actually hit? We spoke about detaching psychologically or psychologically detaching from it. 
We also covered the concept of flexible working arrangements versus work design. So work design being bringing it back to why are we doing this? Like, what is the purpose of our organization? What are we trying to achieve here? And also looking at it as an ongoing process that needs to be assessed and evaluated and determine whether or not it needs to change ongoing. We also talked about the assumption, the underlying assumption that hybrid will work. But but what if it doesn't work in your organization or for your particular circumstances? We touched on the idea of career development in a remote environment. And I know this is something I spoke about on the podcast previously. So if you do want to know more about that, do check out that previous episode. We spoke about flexibility being key. And I suppose I, on the one hand, I'm a big advocate for flexibility, but it needs to have some sort of structure around it so that you're not just working all hours and accessible at all times. We spoke about the idea of loneliness and connection and how building this new approach to working, things need to be agile, iterative and have that flexible approach. We spoke about the value of connection over efficiency and the right to disconnect. And I know that's that has recently gone through in Ireland, but it's also been passed in other parts of Europe as well. And based on this, it's about designing your own approach to what the right to disconnect means in your own organisation and potentially creating team charters around that. More than anything, it's about awareness and how we can help our staff to disconnect when they need to disconnect as well. Chris also talked about how we are moving away from performance and it's more about building resilience and breaks and having that culture set up to support people. We also broke it down to the individual component. So it's as an individual, I and you, how are we using technology and this idea of task switching. So we're going from task to task to task. We're not really taking the time to go deep into any one particular thing. The one tip that we spoke about was getting it out of the bedroom. So by just by having your phone, and I know I'm guilty of this as well, having your phone in your bedroom, it's probably the first thing you reach for in the morning. Chris spoke about the iPhone effect and how it impacts on our IQ and empathy. Just by being there, even if it's on the table and turned over, we still feel this sense of craving that we want to check it. And it it destroys trust in those instances as well. And finally, we spoke about how to create behavior change. Uh, Chris mentioned the book Tiny Habits by BJ Fogg. I will definitely be checking that out because I've read two other books on habits. Both of them I loved and both actually offered some unique insights. So really, really loved that. He talked about rewarding ourselves through voice assist, having an alarm watch instead of using your phone or using a light alarm as well. That is it for this week's episode of the Happier at Work podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Do get involved in the conversation on social media and I will be back again next week with another solo episode. So I will speak to you then. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Happier at Work podcast. I'm delighted to have you here. If you enjoyed this podcast, I'd love if you could rate or review the podcast or share it with a friend. You'll find me on the website happieratwork.ie.